Hey everyone out there, I am Dan Waldschmidt, this is Edgy Conversations, and you're listening to the podcast that's all about radical help for people who want it. If you're listening, then I'm guessing you know a little bit about what we are all about. It's about how to get past the uh, the stupid stuff in your life that, that makes you, uh, I was going to say makes you a moron, but that would start this podcast off on a really negative note, wouldn't it? Um, but radical ideas that help you get past the selfishness that stops you from being amazing. And, and what, if you could, what if you could live a life that's awesome? That's really the question we try to answer ourselves each week, each day. We wake up in the morning, we say, what can I do to be awesome? How can I take a couple of steps closer to that? And what in my performance can I do to move that closer to where I want to be? So can I share something with you that really, I I guess I've never gotten comfortable with this. Really drives me crazy. Really, really drives me crazy. And it's this idea that ideas are supposed to make you amazing. And look, it, no idea in the history of the universe ever, ever has automagically turned someone into a specimen specimen of human, you know, amazement. It just doesn't happen that way. It didn't happen that way for the dudes who worked with Robert Goddard, who invented the space shuttle. Right? Didn't didn't ha- it wasn't an idea. It wasn't necessarily what they learned either. It was about what they did. Here's what you're going to learn, hopefully sooner rather than later. What you know is less important than what you do. What you know, who you know, are less important than what you do. Almost anything is less important than what you do. What you do right now, what you do tomorrow, what you continue to do in the days and weeks and months after today. See, effort is a great equalizer. Putting in time, putting in effort, sweat, blood, tears, right? Really, the the human emotion of effort is really what separates you from everyone else. Because there will be people who you compete against who have more talent than you. You can't help that. You cannot help that. It doesn't matter how hard you work. It doesn't matter how many books you study. It doesn't matter how many connections you build. It doesn't matter uh, how much money you make. If there are people more talented than you, then they are more talented than you. Okay, that's okay. You can't change it. You can't make that better. You can't make that faster. You can't do anything about to correct that situation. You can't. You can't. They're more talented than you. So why is it that not every talented person is the best at what they do? Why is it that sometimes it's the guy with the mud on the knees of his jeans, right? 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 You've probably seen that guy at your local gas station someplace. He, he looks like he's been out planting flowers all day. Looks like his hands are all dirty. His fingernails are dirty. And you're, you're standing in line behind the guy while he, he grabs a bottle of water. And you're thinking, who is that guy? And then you might accidentally find out that that guy is wildly successful. Guy's got a million dollars in his bank account. And you're left struggling trying to figure out why any of your new age theories, you know, about attracting wealth or prosperity theory or everything you read in your MBA course isn't automatically turning you into a superstar. And the reality is that it takes effort. And that guy with the mud on his jeans and the dirt under his fingernails is willing to do what you're not willing to do. And that's put in the work. See, the thing about hard work is this. It's only as hard as you make it out to be. In, in, in running, obviously you guys know I'm a huge runner. 
almost 17,000 miles, or maybe it's 18 now. It's a lot of miles, 18,000 miles, right? Not just 18, a lot of miles I've been out running over the last uh, few years. And, you know, in sports psychology, we have this theory called perception of effort. And what perception of effort really means, by the way, you know, this podcast is just meant to teach you stuff, right? It's it's from my heart to yours, sharing insights that hopefully uh, help make you a little bit better and a little more awesome. But perception of effort is this amazing idea. It's this idea that if you think something is hard, it automatically becomes hard. And if you think it's easy, then it tends to become easier for you to do. So let's actually make this a real in a, in a kind of a kind of what seems like a silly example. Let's say you're you know, waiting to get into a soccer game, and this idea of scoring a goal seems impossible. Oh, I wish I could do this. Man, it would be great if I could do this. And you're pacing along the sidelines wondering when you get your chance to get in the game, how you're going to score a goal, right? At your job, you're, you're supposed to be up front. One of those guys is kicking the ball around like Neymar, right? <laughs> like a champ. And you're wondering, how, I'm gonna, how am I going to score? It seems really, really hard. Guess what? It becomes hard. The more you obsess about how hard it is, how difficult it is, how unattainable it is, how rare, right? How you're hoping that you can do it, but you're not. You're not, you're not really sure. Not really sure if you can actually do that. Guess what happens? You live to those expectations. It actually becomes hard for you to do. Now, so does the opposite. By the way, have you ever noticed this with kids? You know, you put them in a game and they just, they laugh and giggle and they go play their game, which is why if you're a parent trying to watch kids play soccer, you're, you're frustrated and then you just have to kind of chuckle, right? Because what, what happens? What happens? Well, wherever the ball is, is where all 10 or 20, how many of our kids are on the field, maybe minus the goalie, because the goalies are the only ones who are slightly more disciplined. They know they need to stay in that little box and their mom's going to be yelling at them from the sidelines, right? And every other kid on the field is where? I'll tell you where. <laughs> Within three feet of that dang ball, right? They're all clustered around, elbowing each other, you know, playing a little game, passing it to one person. And, oh, you're not on my team. Let me take it back. And then kicking it to another person and failing and flubbing and everyone chasing the ball down the field. Why? Well, for them, this game is fun and it's easy and I'm just kicking the ball. And if it goes in the net, yeah, no big deal. It's all fun and games. And so for them, the game becomes easy. That's key. That's key. Yeah, see, as a runner, especially running 100-mile races, right? I, I, guess you, I guess you should clarify that. Whatever your distance. When you're running a, a difficult race, a race where you know it's going to be not just minutes long. So when you run a 5K, you know, you're thinking, you know, even if it's 10-minute miles in 30 minutes, 31, 32 minutes, you're going to be done. But when you run a 100-mile race, it's not minutes, and you're not shaving off seconds right off your, your personal record. You're running for hours, hours and hours. I remember my first 100-mile race. Actually, my second. My first one, I, I, I didn't actually finish. I got 70, 71 uh, out, of, out, of a, out of, a, of a goal of 120. But my, my, my first 100-mile race itself, I was in the, the hills of... Arkansas, and by the way, you want to talk about a place that's beautiful, just gorgeously beautiful, but scary as hell at night. It's running through the mountains of Arkansas because there's all these beautiful buildings at night. Are, are at, by daytime, they look great. They're restored. They're rustic. They're old. And at night, 
oh, it looks like a million ghosts are, are dead there waiting to bite your soul out or something. It's just scary. The wind is whipping and boards are shaking and you're running past things and you're going, oh my God, I'm going to die. They must have filmed The Shining here, right? It's just scary. And meanwhile, you haven't eaten properly. Your hydration is poor and you're expecting your body to do something it's never done before. And that's run a hundred miles consecutively, right? I mean, think about that. That's four marathons. And so the only way to get through that is to actually uh, imagine, tell yourself, convince yourself, plead with yourself, perceive effort as easy. You're convincing yourself that it's easy. Now, I have to tell you something. Uh, when I started running my first, th- this 100-mile race, and again, my first one I did, it was a 24-hour race. My goal is 120 miles. 71 miles in, my hydration was poor. I was using some products, some uh, uh, supplements that, you know, again, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes I set these ridiculous goals for myself. And then, uh, you know, I learn from them because I usually fail the first time or two I do them. But I, I, I land on my feet and realize that I'm more capable than I can. But I, I look back at myself doing that first race and I'm like, boy, what an idiot I was. But, but you know what made that special is I was willing to put in the effort. And this first 100-mile race that I, that I did, I actually wrote a blog post about this, like, you know, 10 lessons I learned running through the hills of, of Arkansas, running 100 miles, something like this. Well, my buddy said to me when I signed up for this race, something very important, and it really helped out my perception of effort. He said, listen, listen, you've never done this before. Let me share something with you. He said, along the way, there are these, these little tents called aid stations. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, go on, go on. He's like, all right, shut up, Dan. Let's, I'm telling you, I'm telling you how it goes. And in these aid stations are going to have jelly beans. They're going to have, you know, um, candy and chocolate and oranges and chips and pretzels and pickles, pickle juice, right? If you're a runner, you know, helps you, helps you with your upset stomach. You're going to have all these things in there. And your goal is not to run a hundred miles, but it's to run the 25 aid stations that are four miles apiece. And again, they're not all exactly four miles apart. And I don't even remember those 25 aid stations, maybe those 24 or 23. But roughly, they're four to five miles apart in almost any 100-mile race. What he said struck a chord with me because I think it has a lot of parallels for life, which is my job in putting in effort is not to think about a 100-mile race. Oh, boy, is that scary. If you've ever done it, you know, man, it'll scare that dickens out of you, right? I don't even know why I said dickens. It'll scare the, scare the crap out of you, right? I mean, running 100 miles. Think about that. Think, think about the fact that if you got up this morning at 9 a.m. at the same time tomorrow, you would have been running all day. And to be an elite performer, you would finish within that 24-hour period. It, it does, I don't, and maybe I'm the only one here. Am I the only one who's scared to death by that? That's, that's just, that's, I don't even, that's just bonkers. But that's the idea of a 100-mile race. But you'll never finish a 100-mile race if you go into it thinking it's impossible and bonkers and the fact that you're thinking that at the same time tomorrow, I'll still be running. Could you, could you see yourself performing at a high level? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No. No. No, no. No, 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 no. Because if your theory is this is so hard, this is so difficult, right? This is going to be the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Oh, this is so difficult. I don't think I can do it. And why am I doing it? And oh, so much pain, so much agony, so much blood, sweat, and tears. Guess what happens? You end up chicken uh, chickening out. You end up giving up too soon. You end up experiencing more pain than you need to. But what if your theory was, listen, I just need to run four more miles to the next aid station, and then I get a surprise. Maybe I get some jelly beans. Maybe I get a grilled cheese sandwich. 
one of the eight stations in the Arkansas that I had, I still remember, I'm running by first thing in the morning and it's almost surreal. They're making bacon and eggs. I think they even had some waffles, bacon, eggs, and waffles. Imagine running in the morning, early in the morning, and there's bacon, eggs, and waffles. Your, your mind is blown. It's almost surreal. And it brought a smile to my face. And it let me know that even though I was in pain physically, that mentally I was strong and I could finish the race. I remember that race. I've done several more since then. I continue to run a lot of long distances and train. Now I'm in the middle of training for marathons. This idea of perception of effort is really important to you because it impacts your personal life. Maybe you're going through relationships that's tough and you're thinking, oh, how am I ever going to make it? How am I going to make it 20 more years? And your goal is not to make that relationship work for 20 more years. It's to put in the effort for the next 20 seconds to do the right thing. Oh, I hate my boss. Dan, you don't understand. If you had a boss like me, you wouldn't be telling me to put in the work. You'd be telling me to put find a new job. Well, maybe you do need to go find a new job, all right? I'm not saying you don't. What I am saying is this, is stop thinking about how difficult it is and think about what one next thing is that you need to do. What's one thing you could do today to get you closer to where you want to be? Stop whining. Start working. Can I say that again? Stop whining so damn much and start working. Work does something amazing for you. It gives you experience. And once you have experience, then you know how you can work smart. And I know this is not necessarily groundbreaking to share 12, 15 minutes with you on putting in work. But can I be honest with you? The number one reason why you're not successful right now is that you're not putting in work. You're not. You're not. You, you say you are, but you, you tease around the edges of it. Right? Oh, I'll do it when other people are watching me. I'll do it when I have free time. Oh, come on. Who has free time for hard work? Right? No, you have free time for Netflix, right? You have free time to drink a beer with your friends. You have free time to go bowling. But when it comes to I'm gonna I'm gonna do hard things, I'm gonna improve myself, I'm gonna do these difficult things when I have free time. Oh, come on. That's why you're not successful. Because you're not willing to do hard things. Now look, I'm running out of time. I promised each week that I'd I'd have short episodes and not keep you waiting, but I just have to tell you, you gotta put in more work. You gotta put them over. How do you put them over? Work? You get up earlier. You get up one hour earlier. Do it. Do it. Try it tomorrow. Try it tomorrow. Just one day. Here, that's that's my challenge for you. Try one day this week, getting up one hour earlier, and do that thing. Do that one thing. Okay. Make me a promise. Do that. What? Make yourself a promise. Forget about making me a promise. Promise to do that one thing that you've been avoiding doing thus far. Maybe it's writing a letter. Maybe it's polishing a resume. Maybe it's calling a new contact. Maybe it's prospecting more. Maybe it's reaching out to your boss and thanking them for all their love and support. Maybe it's congratulating your boss on all the accomplishments that he's been able to lead your company through. Who knows what it is specifically? I'll tell you this. That one extra hour could begin to change the rest of your life. Hey, look, it's Dan Walshman. I'm glad I was able to spend a few minutes with you. Go be awesome. Make today awesome, okay? Do hard work. Do hard things. Do one thing that matters. And as always, don't do nothing.